Welcome to John Michael's Personal Branding Masterclass. John is the founder and CEO of Image Group International, an award-winning image consulting and personal branding pioneer established in 1989. This podcast will bring you old-school wisdom, inspiring ideas, strategies, and hacks for the new tech world. Here you will learn everything about personal branding, the system, the techniques, and the right mindset to have a successful personal brand, image, and reputation. Politics, color, and entertainment. No, I'm not talking about the circus. I'm talking about politics. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of my podcast. Today, we will continue our chat around image, since this is Image Month. And of course, as we've discussed in the last episodes, you always need to reevaluate your personal image and see what your verbal and nonverbal skills are saying about you. This is just a reminder. It's actually a healthy reminder. At the same time, you also need to be proactive about your career image, obviously. And that means you may need to reinvent yourself multiple times throughout your career to remain not only relative, but valuable. In other words, probably from a more direct perspective, employable. So today I will show you some good examples of both aspects of how to stay relative and of course valuable. And the object of the evaluation is that the most versatile, powerful, affluent and articulate people in the world, some of them definitely are politicians. So we might as well study how they do some of the things they do and see what we can learn from some of their, what I would call is stagecraft in reference to the platform called politics. So let's start talking about their verbal skills. Well, the interesting thing is that verbal skills in all aspects can be improved and transformed. And of course, there's many examples of that. A classic example of this is King George VI. And of course, Hollywood made a movie uh, of this particular scenario in King George's life because he actually employed a speech therapist by the name of Lionel Logue because he was embarrassed by his stutter. George VI had previously tried to read himself on this stutter, but no speech program seemed to have helped him. Of course, that all changed because when he met Lionel Logue, he started a new program that had no uh, pretenses like previous ones, and specifically with the help of the actual therapist, I believe made the biggest difference uh, as opposed to just the techniques. And once he started to improve, King George VI also started to get more confident, gaining public admiration, and becoming a solid figure loved by many. You know, it's, it's a great case study because the reason you get loved by many when you go through a process like that is because it's hard work to break through that. And of course, he became example by breaking through. And when you break through and do things like that, of course, you're going to be admired. The power of verbal communication is obviously an important concept because we communicate, of course, in this case, by our words. But it's not only the words, it's how we bring the words to life, okay? And that's why it's also important, you know, when we're talking about politicians, you know, the media, for instance, concentrates solely on the words, and, and that's fine, right? 
but it's also the nonverbal skills. Uh, it's also how you, you know, carry yourself and how you basically convey messages that are just beyond words. Because we know, as we've covered in previous episodes, words rate around 7% in the total package. 38% though is how you bring these words to life. You know, and a great example of that is Barack Obama, who, in my opinion, is a successful case study regarding this topic. Generally speaking, he displayed three body language signals that stood out. Okay, and if you remember, this is obviously when he, uh, you know, became a president, but sort of resonate to this day. And it's his smile, his fluid motions, and his succinct language structure. The guy communicates, you know, beautifully because it's well designed in reference to structure of language. Uh, and this is essential because if you, you know, especially as a politician, because you only need to go, you know, out of kilter once and the media would have a field day with you. So it's important that you get the structure right. But the structure right doesn't necessarily mean it has to be all scripted, right? Okay. Well, you know, you can be impromptu as well, but of course, a lot more difficult and you've got to, you know, really have your act together if you're going to go down that track. But as a politician, you need to have, you know, skills in all these areas because a doorstop or a press conference at times can certainly go off script. Now, you know, talking about the current Australian election that's going to be in the next few weeks um, between um, Scott Morrison, the prime minister, uh, and the opposition leader, uh, Anthony Albanese, you know, we can learn a lot from, you know, from Obama in reference to if we're going to be talking about these, you know, two candidates. So if you, if anyone saw this, the recent Sky debate between the two leaders, uh, of course, there were all sorts of um, examples of that. I mean, nothing, you know, nothing to sort of, I suppose, uh, write home about, fairly mundane type of debating but i think there was something interesting there uh, and and this is my opinion specifically from the debate definitely scott morrison you know came across as more assertive where anthony albanese came across as more empathetic scott morrison uh, though from the, the aspect of the next debate certainly needs to stop nodding his head backwards you know, and this has become a cliche with a lot of politicians. They're always nodding their head like this, you know, and, and definitely has to learn to smile more and smile at the right moment. In reference to Anthony Albanese, I think he should work more on his articulation, some of his gestures and facial expressions and, you know, and some practice in reference to that, uh, including in front of, a, you know, a mirror could actually be very helpful. These observations, by the way, may seem silly in the overall scheme of you know, what's going on in the world and, uh, you know, all the pressures out there and including economic for a lot of people. But let me explain to you this. The reality is people judge you superficially and the politicians know this. You know, why do you think they put so much effort, you know, in a lot of the shallow or superficial elements of what we talk about? Because they know people actually rate them. That's why you know, it's important that you get the whole package right. And of course, as politicians, they know that otherwise they will not get elected, certainly not for the top job. Okay, so now let's talk about how politicians, you know, had to reinvent themselves to connect to the public. 
And in the past, you know, the main means of communication and electrical campaigns before uh, the internet was, of course, radio, television, and of course, newspapers. You know, this scenario has changed dramatically and politicians now use social networks in their favor as the main means of communication with the public. And the first to use again, social media successfully in political campaigning was Barack Obama back in 2009 when he became president. And a recent study uh, co-authored by Maria Petrova and Ananya Sen found that political newcomers can get a substantial boost in support by using social media channels to, you know, which costs next to nothing from an organic perspective and then easily tapped by anyone with access, of course, to the internet. Further, politicians can humanize themselves through the social media accounts beyond communicating not only policy views that can, you know, sound a little bit bland and boring to most of the public, but also which helps voters feel more connected to them. For example, the former Democratic presidential contender, Peter Buttigieg, and also I believe now is the transport minister, you know, introduced his shelter dogs uh, during his campaigning to his 2 million Twitter followers. Well, of course, uh, United States Senator Elizabeth Warren also used her Instagram account to chat live with supporters who made small contributions to her presidential campaign. So these are two, of course, international examples of how politicians use social media to reinvent themselves. And of course, there's you know many, many others, including local ones. So reinventing yourself for a politician is also essential. You know, and what I tell politicians when I work with them is this. As a politician, you're constantly canvassing, you know, for the next job, okay? Politicians, you know, have to constantly market themselves, position themselves, and reinvent themselves for the next election. This is how they get, you know, re-elected, re-elected meaning they stay employed. You know, so everyone needs to be reinventing themselves and politicians are no different. You know, unless, by the way, they're in a cushy position, you know, they've been potentially parachuted in without doing the hard yards and, you know, uh, and potentially, I suppose, being a little bit cocky and arrogant because of the position. Having said that, in my experience, even with politicians that have had an easier ride, the smart ones know that uh, you, you need to keep on, you know, getting on the hastings, whichever way you're going to do that to keep yourself relevant. Because in reality, everyone needs to do that if they're going to be employed in some description. And of course, politicians are also employed. They're employed uh, by the nature of what they do. And, you know, if they don't get reelected, virtually they're not going to have a job. So this is what we've spoke about also in the previous episode around career. And you might want to check that out if you haven't heard that. At the end of the day, bottom line is this. Politicians, CEOs, entrepreneurs, all leaders, we all need to reinvent ourselves occasionally to get our message out in order to achieve our objectives. So the, finally, the question I have for you today is how are you going with the evaluation of your own image, your own personal brand, your own reputation? Because it's all relevant. Uh, it's not about having... Uh, stress and headaches over this, but it's definitely important to at least question yourself occasionally. So with that, I look forward, obviously, to more debates in this election. 
And also, you know, hopefully I can comment further on this again if there's more relevant news I can share with you. So that's it for today, folks. You know, I've come to the sort of end of the episode for today. I'd like to um, thank you again for being with us. I'd like you to also, if you could please share it with your friends, family and colleagues. You can also share it on your social media. That would be appreciated. You can also follow me on Twitter at John Underline Michael, on LinkedIn as John Michael, and on Facebook as Image Group International. Also remember that I'm always here to help you on your personal branding journey. And if we're a good fit, maybe we'll do some business together. To contact me, refer to the email on the description on the episode. Thank you all again and see you again next time. John Michael's Personal Branding Masterclass podcast is sponsored by Image Group International, a global team of practical, digitally savvy personal brand and image strategists based in Australia, committed to maximizing your impact, influence, and authority in the business world. To learn more and apply for your personal coaching, seminars, and group workshops, please visit imagegroup.com.au or call 1-800-631-311.